Welcome to Modern Morality. My name is Mikey, and I'm joined here by John. Hello, everyone. And Johnny. Hello. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoy. Alrighty, welcome back to Modern Morality. I'm joined today by Johnny, John, and today we have a very special guest. He's a defense investigator, Josh. Say hello to everybody. Hey, how are y'all? I don't think they can answer back, but let's keep going. So, um, so with Josh being a defense investigator, the topic today is going to be talking vaguely about the legal system and how morality may tie to it. Um, and I kind of want to talk about the difference between what's legal and what's moral. And if you guys want to branch off and start that conversation, go for it. Well, I would hope they would align, but we'll see where it goes. Do they always align or no? I'll, I'll start this conversation. It's always interested me that that investigators, especially uh, people who are investigating uh, criminal activity, they can lie to a defendant. And I've always wondered where that line is drawn as to where where they can get by with lying to somebody and whether it interferes with their morality when they're doing it. Got a comment? It's actually a good uh, good point. The um, I know that's a regular practice in like a law enforcement investigation. Uh, in my job right now, I always do my best to be as upfront and honest with our clients because that's essentially what they are when I talk about the case, when I do the investigation. Um, when I talk to witnesses, when I talk to victims, I can't always get into the details because of the attorney-client privilege, which I fall under. But I still try to be as forthcoming as I can when we do discuss things. You know, I'll tell them, okay, I got this information from a police report. I got this information from an indictment or an accusation. I'm not going to discuss what a client and I discuss because obviously I mean that's privileged but the information that can be obtained from other sources I'm usually comfortable talking to them about that um I'm saying I'm a lot no it's so that so all that makes sense to me John I'm sitting here pondering what you said though what's an example of a lie that they would tell and is it for a purpose what was is it purpose driven not that I listen to crime stories or anything, but there's, there's situations where you'll have an individual that is being interrogated and the law enforcement officers will say, we know you were there. We know you did it. We have a witness. We mm-hmm. have multiple witnesses. Yeah. And then if there's multiple. Leading. Then there's multiple defendants. Uh, they'll always pit one against the other and say, you know, uh, your partner in crime over here ad- admitted guilt and said that you're the, actually the one that, that committed the crime. And, and, and that kind of thing, you know, I like to see justice, you know, upheld. But I'm, I wonder just where... Where, where it know, becomes manipulation. Yeah, and, and where, it, where it crosses that line of morality. I mean, you know, you, you, you want to hold your law enforcement officials to some standard. Do the, do the ends justify the means? Quit. Asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> I got a reputation for asking questions, John. He, he, he answers questions with questions. Well, that's the Socratic method. So that's that's the, right. That's the best way to keep people talking. But that's that's, that's the kind of thing that I that I, I mean is. Well, you see it not just in serious 
felony investigations on the law enforcement end. And for example, you get a traffic stop. An officer walks up to the window. I smell marijuana in the car. Can I, can I search your car? Or just come up, hey, do you mind if I search your car? You have so many people that are so willing to try to explain their way out of a situation or to try to, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, you know, let them in the car, that they almost always get themselves into trouble. Well, I've, I've always heard that, that if, uh, if you're ever questioned by a law officer, say nothing. Because if you open your mouth, you're, you're opening yourself up to, to possible charges. I mean, there's nothing good can come out of it. Well, you, you're not going to explain your way out of something. No, you're not, you're not going to talk your way out of it. No, it's, it's almost always an instance where you dig the hole deeper and then you start trying to remember what you've said, even when you've told the truth. What exactly. have I told them? What have I not told them? And you just get yourself into more trouble. And, and people like myself, I misspeak all the time. What? So, yeah. So so if you say the wrong words in the wrong order and they and and especially if they've got it recorded, uh, you know, body cams work both ways. That's and, exactly right. And, when when they're on, they do. Yep. Well they're supposed to be on anytime the state patrolman stops your car. Well, that's a that's a policy issue for each and every department when you get into um, state, local and, and county jurisdictions. Right. But what gets you in trouble, what gets the law enforcement officer in trouble is if he makes a stop and and there's a controversy and there's no no uh, body cam footage, but it's the department's policy that the body cam be on when they make a stop. Well, in most, and I haven't dealt with state patrol on this very much, but in most local and county jurisdictions, that trouble doesn't come up unless somebody makes a complaint. That's so true. The person pulled you know, the person uh, pulled over in the traffic stop. If they don't file a complaint with the department because of that policy violation, it never goes any further. Right. And then sometimes it never goes any further anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Well, going back to what we were discussing earlier, um, as far as legality versus morality, is there an example of something that's legal but not moral? Legal, but not moral. See, there, there's going to be some start examples. With, start with the other direction. Well, yeah, what's, what's, so one what's, of the examples that I, when I was doing some research on the topic or the idea was they were saying, and this was the scenario used, let's say there's somebody walking, it's like 2 a.m., they're in the middle, they're walking down the sidewalk and they get to a crosswalk. Well, the uh, crosswalk signal says don't walk. The person looks both ways, he stands there 10 minutes after hitting the button and the thing never changes. Well, eventually he just gets tired of waiting. He walks across. He's jaywalking. Te- technically, it's not legal, but is it is it immoral? No, that's not immoral. That's the, that's Who's the general effect? consensus. Uh, right. Consensus is it's not immoral. So I wouldn't say it's. Def- I mean, it's kind of ineffective. But yeah, well, you know, there's TV shows out there too. I mean, Leverage comes to mind where oh, they yeah. break the law all the time the because of morality. Yeah, the Robin Hood effect. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's your flip side of that. Josh, you ever you ever comment? I, I'm I'm thinking through this. When when it comes to morality and the law, where does a crime without a victim play in? Because who's it? Who is who is it negatively impacting? Well, then you can, you can bring in uh, you know 
prostitution. You can bring in gambling. There's there's all kinds of things that you can question. That's legal in some places. It is. But is it if, if it's illegal in, in other places and you are gambling, is, are, is that immoral? Hmm. I would say one one's definition of morality would be the same whether they were in a state where that's legal or a state where that's illegal. Right. That's probably true too. Yeah. But it's, just for a hypothetical, you look at, for instance, um, an officer with a department. Their department says that obviously you don't break any laws. That's you know that's part of the job. Yeah, that's part yeah. of the what should be in the oath of office. But then they also have, you know, you don't, don't use marijuana. You go to Colorado, Colorado on vacation, it's perfectly legal there. Go to California on vacation, it's legal there. You get back and get drug tested. You get drug tested and fired for a policy violation. Well, yeah. yeah. Now that that's the exact there's a, there's situation a, happens or very similar to uh, when I was working in manufacturing. Uh, the place I was working was headquartered in Michigan, and they would send people up to the uh, headquarters to watch. Basically, this is how our plant's going to be in five years. So they'd go and see the original plant, which has grown significantly um, since it started, and marijuana's legal up there. You, people will go up there on a business trip for two to three days, and they come back, and it, you can tell they had a great time. <laughs> um, but one of the issues with that is – in, in that environment, they didn't get drug tested because they knew, but it was more of they were needed. Right. They, if they were to do a policy violation on that, they would have no employees. Well, but, I mean, when you get into policy violations, that's more of an administrative thing than a legal thing. So, Well, you've got a growing number of employees across the country now who are not testing for marijuana like they used to, especially not for hiring. They, they might for accidents or calls, right. but— right. Most most of them have realized now that you know they're they're kind of chasing that when they're trying to get employees all the time anyway. Right. Can we can we introduce uh, the the property of legislating morality? I don't think we've hit that subject. Is now a good time to bring, that, can, bring that in? Can we legislate morality? That's another question. We're trying John. to. I was going to say they certainly try. We're trying to. <laughs> uh, what the subject we've just been talking about? You know. Um, Alcohol, you know, in the, what, 30s was prohibited. Uh, we're, they were trying to legislate morality, you know, that, that alcohol was a bad thing. Same thing with, with marijuana. Uh, same thing with, with a, a lot of things that, that, especially in the Bible Belt, the, you know, there's a lot of things that companies want to legislate because they... Um, so I like to I like to continue this conversation about what happens when a, a locality, a, a, a government, a business tries to legislate morality of their employees or their constituents or their communities. Well, nine times out of ten, the legislation or the law that they try to impose is against an activity, not a morality. Like, for instance, the alcohol thing. Alcohol's never hurt anybody. Some people abuse alcohol. Some people do things they shouldn't for well, the, well, let's know, change while it. seeking alcohol. Well, let's but. change it to the use of alcohol, the use of drugs. In excess or in general? When you prohibit it, it's in general. I, I, yeah, that's kind of my point. So 
they can't really there's no way that they can legislate or regulate somebody's abuse of something without just blanketly stopping the something right trying to stop trying to stop the something we look at the very nature of like legislation it's reactive it's always reactive there's something that causes this bill to be proposed or passed or or whatever like right now i saw the recently in a legislative update they're talking about expanding the licensed marijuana medical marijuana growers in the state of georgia they're talking about proposing legalizing sports betting in georgia i mean where it goes who knows but it's just another one of those it's reactive it, it, it is reactive and it usually it I, I i like to use this term you know the uh the majority is being punished for the deeds of the few you know you get someone who does something uh, and, and I'll just, I'll just delve in, in, in excess. In excess, I'll just delve into this. You know, they were right now. There's legislation trying to to prohibit AR-15s. It's like Johnny said, AR-15 has never killed anybody. It's a tool. It's, it's a, a tool. tool, and and they're wanting to ban it because of the the deeds of a few. So, so one of the things, and I think I talked about it in a previous episode before is how or what is the role of the government when it comes to morality in this place and in in this conversation so we all know i mean i know many people call them granny laws seatbelt laws um, things that should be common sense but the federal government is saying you have to do this now or else you're going to be charged fined whatever um would it not be better or i want to say moral would it not but would it not be better to have everybody be responsible for their own actions without having to be handheld from the federal government. Is it the federal government's job to protect our morals and our values or to protect us from ourselves in a way, in our own? Uh, now, say now you're really getting a segue into our political episode we hadn't had yet. You know, it depends on if you believe in big government, small government, republic versus democracy. Well, we're, we keep talking about how it's usually the abuse of something which leads to a law. So is it the federal government's job to regulate our, our inability to not abuse something or our ability to abuse something? Is that the role of the government in this case? Is that something you can legislate, or should that be an individual um, decision? All right, John's going to slap my hand, but I'm going to ask a question. The question is, are you trying to force your thoughts on someone by passing a law? Or are you trying to protect people by passing a law? For example, there used to be these things called blue laws. I don't know if y'all remember them. Blue laws uh, were laws. Just, just barely. I think John was around they the laws were, originally. I think, I, think I may have helped write them. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> were they black and white laws? <laughs> that was before they <laughs> colored them. Before they blue. That's before we had colored. That's exactly right. <laughs> the blue laws align themselves actually to the predominant religion in the area. Right. And so like a blue law would be you can't sell anything but restaurants and food on Sunday before a certain time. Well, what was that protecting people from? Or was it just trying to enforce the the idea of going to church? It was to keep the preacher from showing up drunk. Ah. <laughs> well, I mean. Who could drink after church? After from, church. Not before. Look at like status offenses. That's, that's it. an example of that's like truancy. It's illegal for a kid to not be in school, but that is... It doesn't even apply to adulthood. I mean, that's that is directly 
trying to legislate well, somebody's one, behavior. One might argue that that's actually targeting the parents anyway, not the kid. But yeah. Well, and I'm trying to think of how much I can go into. My office also deals with juvenile court. So we have a whole division that deals with truancy, and they call them Chin's Laws, Child in Need of Services. So you have kids who have violated juvenile laws, but of course most of these laws don't roll over to an adult. Using a vape. <laughs> it's illegal for a kid to use a vape. It's illegal for a kid to, to buy a gun. It's illegal for a kid to drive. Uh, you've got all these offenses that... So those laws are trying to take the place of them having good parents that should be doing well, I mean, that that's anyway? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, And I think there was a comment made in one of our other episodes too was... Um, if the parents aren't going to take control of the kids, the government will, or something similar to that. Mm -hmm. Should we start putting limits on, on stuff like that for kids, or should it be open reign to let the parents do what they need to do? Well, just look at right now, the news out of Atlanta. The state legislature is investigating defects for housing children in defects offices, putting beds and bringing them food, and instead of putting them with foster parents, putting them with some sort of family member that's going to take care of them. They're, it's almost like warehousing kids in a state office building. What, what so was, what was the what, purpose of yeah, that? Yeah, what, what was driving they, that? They don't, they don't have the, the personnel to investigate and to make sure that where they place these children make them safer than where they were pulled pull from. Well, is that a problem of staffing, or is it a problem of policy? It's a problem of, of people writing policies without funding. You know, you you. It, it's easy to sit sit in an office and say, "Well, we need to do this and we need to do that," and then you give it to the people who have to enforce it, and they say, "We can't do that." Sorry about that, Mikey. <laughs> You're kidding. I'll find you later. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> it's just like in a business when you have the C-suite executives making the rules and not getting the input from the people who actually do the job. Yeah. You're going to have those same issues. What was that? What's that that you used to use all the time, Johnny, about the knowledge where it's located? Yeah, the 80-20 rule. Yeah, where 80% of the knowledge is within 20 feet of where it happens. But, you know, to Josh's point, that's usually not where the rules are made. Exactly. Which, and I know this is going toward politics, and we'll wrap it back into uh, law enforcement. But, um, I mean, originally the idea of politicians, they weren't politicians they were farmers they were workers and they would represent that community whereas now people go to school to be politicians well politics is an occupation now yeah at it's one, not a hobby i mean at one i mean i think when reagan was the president they kind of critiqued they criticized him because he was an actor but he was one of the most influential presidents we've ever had in the history of i think the most US. of our politicians are actors nowadays right say it but he had a position that wasn't wasn't that wasn't politics. He did his own thing, and, and Trump, same thing. So, so you um, made you made the comment we're going to get back off of politics and back on to well, they, law enforcement. How to, do you separate law enforcement and politics? What are they enforcing? What is law enforcement enforcing? There he goes again. <laughs> Another question for you, John. <laughs> We need to we need to start keeping a tally of questions yeah. in the episode. When I go to the post edit, I'll put a little ding every time you do it. <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean it is hard to separate politics when it comes to law enforcement because I mean politicians make the laws that 
um, law enforcement are supposed to enforce. But and the one thing that I want I would like to delve in, and you may have a lot of experience with this, Josh, is I've seen a lot on the news where judges are refusing to interpret laws the way they were originally intended to uh, fit their agenda. You're talking yeah. about like judicial activism? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a problem. Yeah. It's so so a what's the point of the law? That in itself seems immoral. It, right. What's the point of having a, a body of representatives formula, a formal law that's supposed to be best for its constituents when you have people in the judici- judicial system not adhering to the original interpretation of the bill? Well, I mean, it's, an, it's a constitutional encroachment. I mean, there's a division of powers, a separation of powers for a reason. I mean, you have the legislature to come up with the laws. You have the executive branch to execute and enforce the laws, and then you have the judicial system, which is supposed, or the judiciary, which is supposed to rule on it dispassionately. But you've got, it's almost like a whole wing of politicians going into the judiciary that they're legislating from the bench. This, this is one of the things that bothers me, and this is, it's like you say, it's hard to, to separate the two. It's when a, a decision is made in a court, and then it is appealed to another court. And that uh, appeal may be to the same jurisdiction. It may be outside the jurisdiction. And you've got defense attorneys and other people who are out there looking for judges that they feel will rule in their favor. Judge shopping. Judge shopping. That's exactly what it is. And I didn't know that was a term. But that is a term. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but but that kind of that kind of bothers me. It's like it's like you know, let a let a, a court make a decision and then appeal to the Supreme Court and let them decide whether it's worth worth a second look. But don't just, just go through five courts and every court change its mind. Right. Well, ask each parent until you get the answer you want. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh crap, I forgot to ask that in the form of a question. Sorry. Damn. Is it like when you ask your <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mikey, what do you think my response to that would be? <laughs> well, I'll tell you Johnny, what. Johnny, again? <laughs> what I'd like to do is I, I want to take advantage of, of our guest's time, and, and I'd like to hear a little bit more of his experience and in general, because we sit here and, and philosophize all day long. Josh, in your experience, how has morality changed throughout your career? Have you seen it get worse, better? Or how, how's, you know, what do you see on the streets, so to speak? Uh, before you answer, is it, and the, uh, just to tie into it, it's kind of the same question. Um, have you seen the law, inf- uh, law enforcement or something uh, put more weight on morality now versus when you first started? Mm. So it's not even make how morality, think about that one. Yeah, it's not yeah. even how morality has changed. Is how much morality is even being sewn into the laws that you're enforcing. Well, I started my law enforcement career in the early 2000s, and I have strictly worked investigations my entire career. I've had a couple of times that I've jumped out of it, but usually it was something investigation related. But then when I got back to it, um, trying to think. I've definitely seen a change in hiring standards. And while that doesn't relate directly to morality, when you lower the bar for the people you're accepting, you're accepting a wider 
field of different no. moral compasses. No, I think you that mean does. they're not all Andy Griffith. <laughs> no, <laughs> None I of think, them are Andy Griffith. <laughs> no, I think that does tie into morality, though, because the whole point of a hiring um, process is to vet which one would be not only a, um, who meets these requirements, but also would be a good fit. And the good fit, it's typically regarding values and their morality. Right. Well, if the, the bar is being lowered, that means they may not fit those values pr- uh, the same way they, they used to. I, I'm trying to think specifically on, on what I've seen. I don't know that lowering the, lowering the standards necessarily opens it up to anybody and everybody's, you know, whatever moral framework they have I think it's just the you get a lot more issues with training with experience with capability I when we talked about it before before we started recording I don't know that a whole lot's changed either way during the time I got in up till now up till when I moved over to doing defense work is it on tv more absolutely is it being caught more? Absolutely. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket. Um, officers have cameras strapped. clipped to their shirt yeah, or to attached the to their sunglasses or strapped to the front of their car in most cases. You're catching a lot more instances, and you have how many 24-hour well, news can, channels now that have to fill time? So you're saying it really is no different than anything else in our society it was always there it's just more publicized publicized these days uh, I, more transparency maybe i don't know that it's it would be noticeable if you mm. if you tracked it if you graphed it um, let, let me let me ask you a, a pointed question when you John, are when you are, are you gonna are, ask what, a question? you're really going to ask a question <laughs> one question I'm okay allowed one question do i have to answer in the form of a question <laughs> there, you go. Yeah, there you go i didn't i didn't answer a question with question. <laughs> Um, when you were hired, did they hire you for a, a specific set of skills, or did they hire you because of your political background? Did they hire you because they thought that that you were good at what you do? What, what, was, the, what was the hiring criteria? Your experience? Are you talking about when I first got into law enforcement or where I'm at now? Where you're at now. I think a lot of it had to do with experience. They had a very experienced 20-plus year criminal defense investigator retiring and I had a pretty broad scope of experience. I started out working undercover narcotics. I did that for several years in a couple of different places. Yeah, they say that work is addicting. That work <laughs> that work is that is stressful. That is yeah. The That was rather punny. I know. The I'll, I'll withdraw. No <laughs> When I came over here, well, and sorry, get back to what I was saying. I started out working narcotics, and I've worked in prosecutors' offices. I've worked as a district attorney's investigator in a couple of different places a couple of different times. And I've worked everything from the speeding case that gets appealed out of probate court into superior court because there's not a state court to catch it, DUIs, that type of thing, up to murders, Officer-involved shootings, public corruption cases, just the whole gamut. And I think that was part of the draw. Josh, one of the things I want to do is, is circle back to a statement you said about you know how news is spread and how 
everybody has a camera in their hand and when you when uh news breaks about a, a especially like a um, an officer involved shooting that kind of thing you see all of these horrible images on tv what do you think about uh the the way the media handles things like that and they only give out partial information they don't they don't tell you what led up to the incident they only show you the incident itself is that something that you have to deal with in in your line of work quite often um when you get video or images of something especially horrific something you see on the news and you don't have the context you don't have the why you don't have the background information you don't have the story in a criminal investigation, it doesn't matter if you're working on the, the state side, the defense side, or whatever, your objective is to get the truth. The truth doesn't change if you're representing somebody or you're trying to investigate something. But when you get a, like a criminal defense team, they shouldn't be releasing information and video if they have it for what their client may or may not have been involved in the case. Law enforcement, in the best of circumstances, shouldn't be releasing information or video footage or anything like that until the their investigation's complete. So what you're having is a the news media, who a lot of times it's a 24-hour cycle, cycle, they've got to fill time. I, I know you've all heard the when it bleeds, it leads mm-hmm. catchphrase when it's talking about the media. They're going for the, the most sensational thing they can find to put on the air. Clickbait. So they can keep it going. Yeah. So they can keep those viewers and those ratings up. Well, that's the motivation behind the media. But what's the motivation behind the, the people that are letting this information out? Is it agendas they have or is it reactionary to some pressure well, if you're response. dealing with just somebody on the street with a camera or 10 somebody's on the street uh, with a camera. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking more of the official people, but yes. Okay, I well, let's start with that. When you have the just your average Joe on the street or 10 Joes, like I said, filming the same thing from 10 different angles, you don't know. It might just be, hey, look what I, look what I saw, posting it online. And, trying they, to, and they may only have gotten the last third uh, – 30 seconds of the incident. The whole That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, but, for instance, look at the – the I'm trying to – the Nicholas Sandman, the Covington Catholic school kids that went to Washington for the March to Life, and you have a couple of minutes worth of him encountering one of the activists there. Everybody jumped on board. Oh, look at this – you know, look at this kid. He's just a punk. He's just a whatever – when you didn't have anything put in context as to what happened. When the actual official story broke and they somebody released the full footage of what had happened, the news media dropped it like a hot potato. But the damage had already been done. That's exactly right. And that's why he's a lot wealthier than he was <laughs> before it happened. And you have a lot of news media, news organizations that won't say his name yeah. and probably are legally prohibited from saying his name. You're talking about, you know, 10 different cameras from 10 different right. angles. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the one camera angle that, that's the most difficult to, to read, and that's the one on the officer's chest. Okay. Tell us, tell us something about, about what he's looking at and what he's seeing and what's happening. What I have found, and this is just a personal 
observation from what I have seen. Like I said, I've worked officer shootings, worked quite a few officer shootings. The predominant camera that's used, it's made by one specific company, it mounts to the officer's chest, clips on their shirt. If you've got an officer-involved shooting, you need to know what the officer knew, what he saw, and the context it all happened in. When you have something strapped to the front of your shirt that will be completely blocked by your hands when you draw a weapon, especially if you have to fire the weapon, you don't see anything. You shouldn't start training officers to shoot low and not aim. So there needs to be some sort of change in how the the cameras are oriented. Some some departments have them that are actually mounted to like a safety safety glasses. And in that instance, I I think that one's the best because... You get the direct line of sight. Well, you see what the officer sees while the shooting's happening, but you also see everything that led up to that incident. Mm -hmm. The officer turns his head to the right, you see what he was looking at. Yeah. Somebody snuck up behind him. That, you don't see him, but the officer didn't see him either. That would eliminate a lot of the shootings. Like, oh, we saw something being thrown. Well, if you like, you said there's the arms blocking the chest. You don't right. see that object right. being chunked. And then so. it, you know the same thing with a with a vehicle mounted camera, a dash camera. It's locked into place. Yeah. It's looking forward. You don't see if something happened to the left or right of the vehicle or behind the vehicle. So you're missing a lot of context with the way these things are positioned. Now, something that something else, and I think Johnny was getting to the point earlier, the official release on a video, in a lot of instances with any sort of allegation of officer misconduct or excessive force complaints or an officer-involved shooting, you'll have the department rushing to the closest camera with a, with a press credential attached to it. This is what happened. Let me show you the footage. As soon as they can. I mean... In a lot of instances, they will hold back until they get what they need out of it. But even that's reactionary because they're trying to keep their town from getting burned down or, you know, some sort of massive uprising or protest because of what happened. And it's changing the way they have to do their job. It's almost one of those, is it better to get this out early to prevent – more crimes from happening and us having to take a more active role or protect the integrity of this investigation in this case and hope everybody plays like they should on the playground. And what happens is you've got people that, that want to know what happened and they want to know what happened right now. They don't, they don't want you to take the time to sort through things and look at all those 10 different camera angles right. and, and get, get eyewitness <laughs> interviews of people that didn't have a camera. Right. And when they uh, do start to release all of this, people think that the law enforcement or, or the investigators have been trying to put together this, this, this massive ploy to distract what actually happened. Right. Well, and... I and sometimes that, they do. Uh, sometimes they they might. There's always there's always that possibility. And there's always you know there's there's always uh, people <laughs> with less morals than than others that would would do something like that. But for the most part, as open as things have gotten, it's almost impossible to get by with something like that. I mean, you you've got people, you know, people are paid to squeal within within. Uh, 
certain police departments. You know, if, if you see somebody who's doing something they're not supposed to, you know, you need you need to speak up. Right. And that happens, even though even though there is a what is it the the blue code or whatever it is that you'll find in a lot of departments they have the same type of attitude about what's going on as just the general public. And in general, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in, you've got the same proportion of good moral people to people that are just, you know, do, doing the easy way, taking the easy way out, doing what they can to get what they want. So I don't think when you put any industry, especially law enforcement, on a pedestal, I don't think it serves anybody in that. No, I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the actual players, the actual people themselves right. and that's what it. their morals are. And to that point, I've heard a lot of discussion and debate around do you want more police officers or fewer that are more quality? Because, you know, some people would actually go as far as saying you're getting what you pay for when you try to skimp on paying for law enforcement, right. you get the you get the less quality law enforcement people. Well, I mean, it, that's it. You're looking qu- quality versus quantity. Do you want every street with an officer on the corner or do you want people out there actively, proactively interacting with the public and then, of course, reactively enforcing well i've I've got i've got two things that come to mind on that one one i'd rather have personal opinion totally personal opinion i'd rather have the quality officers and fewer of them but i would also though to caveat that i would also like to see the the citizens themselves right police themselves being able to police themselves in their in their neighborhood better and, and again this is this is kind of going into politics but I would almost rather see taxpayer money not going to an influx of officers, like you say, one on each corner. I would rather see that taxpayer money be uh, used to train citizens to protect themselves and their property. Libertarian I, Mikey raises his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I, but honestly, though, I, I think I don't think it's. And we talked about granny laws earlier. I don't know if it's the the government's job to overrule every decision or every factor in our lives, I think it, it's, it would be better suited if they would empower the citizens rather than enforce the citizens, so to speak. Or, um... Communist Mikey raises the <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen two different we're Mikeys. Going, we're going to have to bring uh, Josh back on when we do get to some true politics. Maybe not. That's going to be an episode. Communist. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Modern Morality. Please visit our website at modernmoralitymedia.com and leave us some feedback about the show. We look forward to exploring more with you. Until next time.